Hey everybody, welcome to the Full Frame uh, Podcast. Could you just oh. uh, just uh, take, stop and take it from the top one more time. Okay, okay, you ready? So, Derek, where are you from and how did you get into film? <laughs> Start with the, the big questions, huh? The big, big question, yeah, we're going way back. Um, I'm from Virginia Beach. Very cool. Um, and then I guess... Uh, um, how I got into it. Um, I think, uh, you know, I was always a complete film fanatic and, and, um, somewhere in the late eighties started going to the narrow theater in Norfolk and watching independent films and, you know, kind of learning a little bit about independent filmmakers. And at that point I realized, wow, you can actually, do this um you know so uh that was kind of where the spark i think came from um uh i guess you know there's been a million steps over the over the 30 years or so since then but uh that's kind of where it got started and did you work in the norfolk film industry uh i moved to la i think 91 and uh was a painter and got into a good, pretty good gallery and was, um, you know, thinking I was on a path to art stardom, sure. um, which, uh, you know, kind of was a, um, a fake out of some sort, I guess, um, you know, uh, and caused me to rethink what I was doing and um, ended up going to New York and going to grad school for film where I, got a job at Sony Music Studios in production and, uh, you know, kind of uh, used that along with, you know, grad school to uh, kind of figure out what I was doing. Was it just always a lifelong love of film or was there a key, you said you went out to LA and you were painting, was there a key event that happened that shifted you into, I got to pursue, I really got to pursue this filmmaking thing? I mean, I think that I, I started realizing, like I said, that it was kind of a, something that was actually possible to do um, mm-hmm. when I was in an undergrad at Old Dominion. And, um, you know, although I was studying painting, uh, but I just kind of followed the path there. Like I said, I got um, someone asked me to put some work into a show in LA and, um, you know, kind of uh, all thoughts of, of the film world were kind of put on hold, I guess you could say. Mm, okay. Uh, um, while I, you know, followed my short-lived career as a painter, and um, and then you know, just kind of figuring out options and what I wanted to do, I had a friend who was going to Parsons in New York for grad school for film, and it seemed like a cool program, and that's where I ended up. How do you feel? Was film school a good decision for you? Uh, probably not. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, look, in, in, in some ways it was because it allowed me to be there in the city and, and, and had I not been there, I wouldn't have, uh, been able to work in production, right. which was really what, you know, I think I probably learned, you know, a million times more working in production over those couple of years than I did in school. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think any, any, attempts to kind of get better at what you're doing and learn are probably good, no matter how you, 
you know, regardless of what the, the results are, I just, um, you know, feel like I got a lot more out of other, other things I did, but, uh, you know, I'm glad I did it, but, um, it's not like I, I, I don't, I don't always recommend it to people. That's for sure. In regards to your process as a filmmaker, where does that start for you? Are, um, are you a very plot heavy like writer or is it, is it start with a character? Does it start with an idea for a script? Where does that start for you normally? Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think every project probably comes from a different place. I mean, I think that, um, you know, Danny Forte and I, uh, my writing partner and I have probably 10 or 15 projects right now that are in various stages of, of, uh, unreadability. <laughs> and, um, you know, it just kind of, uh, sometimes starts with an idea, sometimes starts with a story. Sometimes it starts with a, some, some intellectual property it just really depends on, you know, some of it's a very tiny thread of nothing. What about a, you know, what about a, an idea about a guy who's doing this and then, he, you know, he does this and then it's, it, it ferments for a couple of years and, and then something else clicks that might be able to be combined with that. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're starting to add some layers to it. And, um, you know, it, it just, uh, you never know where these things come from. Sometimes it happens super fast. Sometimes it happens over the course of many years. Yeah. Um, you know, I wish there was some, I wish there was more of a process that I could define, right. but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm just happy when, when it's flowing, you know, I'm just happy when we're, we're writing and, and, uh, you know, ideas are coming. Yeah. So with your writing partner, when you guys, whether it's outline or scripts, are both of you writing pages and then rewriting each other? Or is there someone who takes on the bulk of one part of it and then hands it off to the next? Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any real, uh, any real rules as to how we work. I mean, there's times where, you know, I'll have an idea and just push it as far as I can and then just hit a wall and I'll, I'll hand it off to him or, and then he'll, you know, see what he gets out of it and hand it back to me and vice versa. But other times, you know, it's, uh, you know, hop in the car and take some ridiculous 10 hour drive just to kind of be uh, without distractions and kind of, uh, talk through things. Um, you know, typically we do start in, in some kind of outlining phase, um, you know, because, you know, once, once I think, I, I think that getting a really tight outline is, is, is really kind of the hard part. I think it's, it's, uh, you know, once you get to that point, you can kind of, write the bad version of your script if you've got a good outline. Right. Um, you know, and then, and then obviously the rewriting begins, which is you know, something I re I enjoy. Uh, probably my favorite part is, is, um, is that part. Uh, and, and also just the, the initial, just kind of throwing ideas around. But, but I think that each project is different in terms of, you know, kind of who's got the, the enthusiasm for it or who's got the energy for it. And, how it bounces back and forth is kind of always different. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a good way to, to, to stay motivated, you know, to, to, to always have someone pushing you and, and vice versa. You know, I think it's, yeah. uh, it's something that I, you know, uh, recommend to people because it's, it's, um, it's hard to be in a vacuum, you know, it's hard to be in a vacuum and, and, and remain, it's hard enough to be, to be objective when you're writing with someone else, but to, when you're writing by yourself, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to be, 
to be objective. And, and I think you need, you know, you need someone to say, Hey, this is, this is horrible. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like that, that to me is, is, um, you know, a lot of times I think people, you know, only show their writing to other people that they know are going to tell them how great it is. Um, even if it's not. And what you really need is, is to hear, this is terrible, but here's, here's why, or maybe try this or, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I want to hear the bad stuff, you know, I mean, I've been working with the same producer for a very long time, Scott Lochmas. And, you know, uh, I know when I send him something, I've got to kind of put my, uh, put my, my defenses up a little bit because it's going to be, I'm going to hear what's bad about it. And, right. and yet that's exactly what I want to hear. And that's what I need to hear. And that's how things get better. Right. You know, I always tell people like, um, let's say they've written a script and, and want to try to get it made or whatever. And, and uh, you know, they've got this one project that they're pushing for years. And, you know, it's like, you know, first of all, keep writing because, you know, you, you need, to probably write 10 bad ones before you're going to ever write a good one. Right. And yeah. then even at that point, you know, every other one's still going to be bad. You know, it's really like, it's not just like uh, all of a sudden you're writing good scripts. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, find your way to where you want to go by writing a bunch of bad scripts and piling them up and using them to climb up on, you know? Yeah. Well, I was, and I was going to say to, since we, um, there is sort of an agenda to this podcast, which is you're having a screening of your latest film, American Dreamer, um, down in Norfolk uh, this week. How did that project generate? Where did that come from? Was that just one of the ideas that had been floating around in your guys' head for a while and suddenly it it just all came together? Was there a um, particular like going back to Norfolk to film? Was there a, how did that project start? Well, on a script level, I mean, we had been talking for a couple of years about kind of the um, the plight of of rideshare drivers, you know, just kind of uh, how a lot of them, you know, try uh, have a conversation with you and tell you what they used to do, and sometimes it's pretty interesting. They used to, you know, do some pretty amazing things, and yet somehow life has, um, you know, has them using an app like Uber or Lyft to, to make, make a living or, or some extra money on the side or whatever. But they, they definitely kind of have this, you know, this feeling of, of, uh, being invisible a little bit and, you know, kind of not being who they once were sometimes. And that was the initial kind of concept. And then I read something about burner rides being a thing in, in, in Norfolk where, you know, drug dealers use an Uber, driver to, to run them around because of the search and seizure laws mm. uh, where you, you can't search a car without probable cause. So it's a good way to remain uh, kind of off the radar to hire one of these guys. So those were the two key elements, you know, someone who's been kind of, um, uh, let's say, seemingly um, disenfranchised or or um, you know, let's say not, not living the life they once were and they're stuck living in a, in a motel in ocean view and, and, uh, driving, you know, a car during the day and, and they get an offer to, to be a burner ride for someone and, um, kind of what could happen 
in that situation is uh, those kind of, those that's what kind of where what led to the beginning of this yeah and then uh you know we just just kind of uh you know took it from there tried to add you know add some layers of intrigue and and um and next thing you knew we had a we had a uh, well, i think a pretty good script um and then uh you know in trying to think about where to shoot it how to shoot it you know, kind of what the, what the options were. Mm-hmm. It was, it was written for Norfolk. It was written, you know, for, for, for where we live. It was written to kind of, you know, kind of inspired by, uh, you know, whether it's stories of Pusha T in Norfolk or, or, you know, things like that. I think that, um, you know, that, that's where it made sense to take place. And, and, you know, then I I was talking to Andy Edmonds at the Virginia Film Office, who right. I've I've tried to bring four films to Virginia now, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, have not been at the, at that point had not been successful in terms of making a deal with the state because some of the other states have much better tax incentives. Yeah, and you know I'd been helping the ODU uh, film department every now and then, just kind of coming in and talking to the kids and stuff. And we kind of came up with this idea of, you know, using what we could get from the state of Virginia, but combining it with, with a program with ODU to do a workforce development initiative where we allow 20 some students to intern on the film. And uh, it would allow us to, to, to shoot the film in Norfolk uh, on a micro budget and uh, you know, I could cash in whatever favors I had around the area to, to get the cars we needed or, or, you know, locations we wanted, things like that. And, yeah. uh, get to, you know, still go home to my family when, when I wrapped every, every, well, I'd say morning really, cause we were shooting mostly nights, but, but, uh, it was a, a nice way to, to be able to shoot a film with the, the crew that I, I've known for for many years. There's a world class crew in Norfolk, Virginia Beach, and uh, you know I'd always wanted to shoot a film with them, and yeah. it all just kind of came together to be able to shoot it there. How long was your shoot? It was 16 days. That's pretty. It was, that's it pretty was, quick. Yeah, yeah. It was actually a day and a half of day shoot, and then 14 and a half of night. Oh, so wow. really, we were working mostly nights, and the film takes place over the course of. Uh, you know, just under 24 hours anyway. So um, uh, the majority of it being after dark. And uh, it was, uh, like I said, 16 days went by pretty quick. We cut in Norfolk and then went to LA to do the finishing color and sound and visual effects. But, um, but, you know, probably about 10 weeks editing. And I know you're at a, you're about to go to a screening in Chicago um, which is where you're calling from now, but you're also having the um, screening down here in Norfolk. In um, it's on Saturday, correct? Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, we we just did a couple nights in New York, and um, and we did the SAG Theater, which was which was really cool because it's big and it was it was sold out. And then we did a couple nights at the Cinema Village and uh, downtown, and that was amazing. And and uh, we did Q and A's afterwards, myself and and producer and a couple of the actors were all there and um you know it's just great to kind of uh play the film down and and then talk to people afterwards and and you know take questions but also just listen to what they had to say about it so then we 
tonight we're we're doing the Music Box Theater in Chicago, which is great because uh, Richard Roper is hosting the Q and A after, um, and uh, that's a big room, 700 seats, I think. So it should be should be really cool. Um, then we do LA, and then um, I come home to to screen the film at the Narrow. Um, I think there's a there's a pre-screening on Thursday night that is earlier, like 7 p.m. that I won't be at, but um, and then Saturday night, the 9 p.m. show, uh, I'll be there, and then we'll do a Q&A afterwards. So a lot of the crew will get to get to join us, which will be nice, and some of the actors will be there, and and uh, you know, it's just it's all also just really cool to me to be able to show the film there, you know, at that theater where I kind of uh, you know kind of was introduced to independent film myself. How long are you guys doing festivals or is it basically just straight to selling the film or are you, do you have a number of other screenings over the next couple of months or weeks? Well, we did the LA film festival uh, and okay. we sold the film to Saban films and they are doing the uh, North American release, which is um, what amounts to 10 or 12 cities the first weekend and, and video on demand uh, the, the one week later. So I guess on the 20th, it starts uh, on demand at the, uh, right around the same time. Okay. And then we've got, uh, you know, a lot of the rest of the world's already sold. And, um, you know, we may do some, some of the international festivals just to, um, you know, if they coincide with any of the openings in, in any of the other countries we're opening in. But, uh, but we're pretty much, uh, you know, done. We have a distributor. They're releasing it through Lionsgate. And uh, it'll be out and available uh, in the next week. That's awesome. And yeah, all yeah. the links for everything will be in the show notes. So people can, uh, everyone who's listening, you guys can access all of those uh, various links and follow the film and whatnot. We'll make sure it's in the show notes. I do have one big last question, Derek, which is how <laughs> did you, what was the conversation with Jim Gaffigan about getting him to play a villain? I mean, he read the script and he, he loved it and he wanted to talk to me about it and we had a great conversation. I mean, he, he, he understood the material. He, he was fearless and he was game to try to go this dark. And, uh, and, you know, he understood, um, this character in a way that, that, um, you know, Cam doesn't think he's a bad guy. Right. You know, he, he doesn't think he's doing anything, anything wrong. He thinks he's going to, he's going to do these things that he's doing. And that, and he, he says it multiple times in the film, everything's going to be okay, he says. And, um, you know, um, without giving too much away, everything's not okay. Right. Um, you know, he, 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 uh, you know, he, his, his level of entitlement and delusion and, and, uh, you know, privilege cause him to make some horrible decisions that have some very tragic consequences. And, uh, and Jim went for it. And, you know, it's, I'm just so happy to see him getting the kind of accolades, the kind of, you know, the kind of reviews that people are giving him uh, and the other actors as well. I mean, you know, the, the, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. It's, a, it, it's you know, it's uh, it's a great feeling to, to see people that took a chance on something uh, to see it work out for them. And, you know, so for these actors that that rolled up their sleeves and came to Norfolk and you know, worked ridiculous hours with us to get, to get, you know, recognized for their work is always a good thing. You know, what's next for you? 
uh, 10 days ago, I just wrapped a film that I shot in Louisiana all summer uh, called Unhinged, starring Russell Crowe, that was Solstice Studios, and um, I'm going to start editing that next week. Very cool. And, uh, you know, that'll be the next few months worth of, you know, I'll be, I'll be in a dark room cutting that for the fall and then, um, uh, you know, see what happens next, you know, just, uh, keep trying to find challenging projects with people that, that, uh, that I like that I want to work with and, and, um, keep trying to push myself to get better and learn more every day. And, and, um, you know, who knows what happens next? Well, uh, I'm super excited uh, for the screening, and I'm super excited for you. And uh, it's very, I'm very happy to have you on the on the podcast as someone from Norfolk who's making their features and making their dreams happen. So, thank you for coming on, Derek. I appreciate it. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey guys, just want to remind you that not only can you find the Full Frame Podcast on HMD's website, www.hmdfilms.com, but you can find us on Facebook, and most importantly, you can find us on iTunes, where we would really like if you could leave a review and subscribe. Thanks. Have a great week.